Um, I just want to ask you guys a question. Who likes new things? Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah. Who likes new, new soccer balls? Yeah, good. Soccer balls are great. Um, I love new things. Uh, I think there's something within all of us that um, there's just an excitement that comes when um, we are able to sort of get something new and whether it, like the new car smell or, or unwrapping something for the first time and it's still got like the protective layer on it and you keep it on for a bit longer than you need to because it's new and it's really, it's really special to you. Um, I love uh, getting new things and I'm one of those people that um, sits around and once, once you've got the go-ahead, <laughs> you know what I mean, uh, you, I sit there and I research and I, I look up reviews and I, I want to make sure I get, get like the best, best deal and, and that sort of thing because I just love the thought of getting something new. I um, remember my very first phone. I've got a picture of it here. It was the Nokia brick. Um, and uh, it was, yep, some of you guys know the one. And I remember the thought of getting, there's the first time uh, Joe and I went into Optus together so we could get the same ones um, and we got our numbers and we could text each other and it was really exciting. Um, and the thing about this was it was just so enormous that you couldn't put it in your pocket. So you had to have one of those belt clips and have it on, on your belt, right? And um, I was working for a, a surveyor's assistant as a surveyor as a, at the time, and I'd often be working and, and with hammers and dirt and stuff, and I didn't want to get it dirty, and it was on, on my side. I couldn't put it in my pocket. So I'd have it in the car, which is kind of pointless, right? What's the point of having a mobile phone when you can't actually have it with you? Um, and so it had um, insufficiencies. Uh, it, it, after a while, the, the newness sort of wore off and some, some friends got these other models and I sort of longed for that. And then, so once the contract was up, you know, along came the classic, the 3310. Come on, come on. Yeah, interchangeable case. So you could get on eBay and you could get your own sort of colours and stuff. Um, and what was cool about these two? Snake. Yeah, the game Snake. Um, so a bit better, a bit hardier, but you could put it in your pocket. So it was better than that one. It was new and it was better. Um, and then along came the flip phone. Yeah. Now, loved, loved uh, 24, Jack Bauer. You know, government agent gets the call, flips it up. Hey, yeah, I'm cool, right? And now I had a cool flip phone. And the cool thing about this was it had a camera, a .0001 megapixel camera that took really, really bad photos that you couldn't ever use for anything else, right? But because of that, it, had a, it was new and it was better. It was better. Uh, a couple of really bad decisions with motor rollers and other things later started to discover the, the personal um, sort of side of things and organising. I like to think that I could be organised. Um, and along came the HTC Touch. Now, this was, this was new because you had a little um, pen that came out and you could touch the screen. And it had a Windows operating system that you could put software on and you could sync it with your calendar. 
and you could um, sort of feel organised and know what things were coming up on your phone. And, and this was pre-smartphone. Um, so these were like the forerunners for what, what we know today. Um, and I, I loved that and I loved syncing it with my computer and feeling all organised. Um, but again, the, the camera wasn't all that great and, and it, it often would crash um, because it just didn't have the, the, the processing power. And then the iPhone came out, the iPhone 3. That was great. Okay, smartphones now, we've got apps, we can just download whatever we want. And this was simply better than that. And then the iPhone 4. Um, and I've actually got some of these here. So, um, oh, no, they're gone. Um, my iPhone 4, I smashed it. So the back of it was like covered with sticky tape. But um, often they didn't have enough memory in them because you'd fill it up with, with videos and, and, and things. So, so along came this one. And this has got 64 gig, so I can... And it's got a good camera, and I can sync it, and it's simply better uh, than what was before. I think sometimes we often love what's new because what's new uh, is better uh, than what came before. And... Um, oh, you've got the PowerPoint up there. Get going with this. Okay. You have to wait for it. I have to wait for a thing. Okay. And so what we, what we witnessed um, this morning was actually something else new. Um, in Christ, Jesus gives new life. And through the waters of baptism, it symbolises what has happened for a person who has come to know Christ. And so a new life is transformed by the love and the saving work of Jesus Christ. So she has put her trust in Jesus and in doing so, she is gifted new life. And this new life is just simply better than what was there before. Paul um, in Romans says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may too live a new life. Now what he says there is that through baptism we are united with Christ. So Paul isn't saying that the act itself unites us with Christ. As Dave said... Baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality. And it's the inward reality of the heart that has, has said yes to Jesus, who has accepted his sacrifice, who have asked for forgiveness and is, they've turned to Jesus and they've put their trust in Jesus. That heart transformation is what baptism symbolises. So when Paul says through baptism, he's saying through that heart change, through that decision through that desire to follow Jesus, we are united in Christ and that just as Christ was crucified and died and was buried, so our old life is dead and buried and just as Christ was raised to life and that's symbolised in baptism, life has been granted, life is new. 
And so um, Paul, again in Corinthians, says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And so it's a bit like a person. When they decide to actually accept what Christ has done on the cross for them in taking their sin and uh, asking them, uh, so the person asks Jesus into their, their hearts, it's almost like this person is united with Christ in such a way that let's pretend that this book is, is Jesus. The person is actually in Christ. And so as Jesus is crucified on the cross, their life has been, has been put to death. And as Jesus is buried in the grave and, and is dead and gone, so the person's life is dead and buried and gone. But if, if the Christian gospel was left there, then every single one of us would still be dead and buried and there would be no hope. But of course, the most amazing thing about that story is that God, through the Spirit, raised Jesus from the dead. And as Jesus is raised to life, so you as the person who has put your trust in Jesus, you are raised to life and you are given new life. And the old has gone, the new has come. Um, So, for example, Paul says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin may be done away with and we should no longer be slaves to sin but we are given a new life that is sinless and that God has uh, given us that is different from the old life. Now, one of my favourite uh, shows that I love watching, uh, particularly with our kids, is a show called Fixer Upper. It's a show where uh, a couple, a builder and a decorator, um, take a, a young couple often and, and they desire to have a dream home and they take this uh, ramshackled, old, uh, broken down house and they come in and they, they give it a new paint of coat, they put new windows in it, it might need a new roof, they take walls out from the inside and they totally transform it and the, the couple come and they like, it's not the same house. And often we think that, that life with, with Jesus is a bit like, like that, but it's not. See, life with Christ isn't that, you know, just little parts of our life, my, my window need fixing, so I'm going to just fix that bit, or uh, I need a new ceiling, or, uh, I'm, you know, that I've got some rot and I need that bogged up and, and, and painted over. Now it's it's the old has gone. It's done away with. It's in the grave. It's no longer. And so our old it's like a bulldozer coming and taking the whole house away and Jesus starting again and building something that is beautiful, something that is whole, something that is new and something that is just simply better than before. So the old is just done away with. 
completely, completely gone. And Jesus gives us new life. So how is this new life in Christ simply better than the old life? We could spend a year on the, the qualities of the new life in Christ. I just want to talk about three simple things. First thing is that it gives us a new perspective. We see things differently than we saw them before. Life takes on a whole new outlook. The things that we concentrated on and focused on no longer seem to have any purpose or meaning because they're dead and buried. And instead, the things of God and and what he is about and what he has done in our life becomes the things that we focus on and, and, and think about. I talked before about I used to work for a surveying company and I'd often have to get there into town quite early uh, to start that sort of work. And I am not a morning person. Um, and so I would often be rushing to get to work on time because I'd slept in and left it late to leave. Um, and at the time I uh, was, was riding a posty bike and what that allowed you to do was in traffic... You could manoeuvre in and cut in front, and you can go down the middle when the traffic lights were on, on red and, and drag the cars off and, and get ahead because I'm trying to make up time in order to... Oh, it's all right, Dave, I wasn't speeding. Um, and, uh, you know, you're trying to manoeuvre yourself and, and, and go in here and, and go in there and, and cut in front and in order to try and make up time and, and get there. And... So often the journey into work, I would just be focusing on where's the gap and where can I get in and, and, and you know, can I, can I go down the left-hand lane while, you know, and then drag people on, you know, all that sort of thing. And, and my, my view as I'm driving, as I'm riding, is all, and it should be, <laughs> is, is all about what's, what's, what's happening here. And I remember one day it was raining and I had to take the car and um, I just decided that day, for some reason, to get up earlier. And I had time. And so that day, I no longer had to rush and, and strive and, and push. I was able to just sit back and go with the, the flow of the traffic. And that day, I, I still remember to this day, I noticed something that I had never, ever noticed before. And do you know what it was? Trees. <laughs> Trees. They were beautiful. They were majestic. The colour of the bark, the shape of the branches, the colour of the leaves, the, the way they lined the streets. And all because no longer was I, my eyes fixed on, on the lower, on on pursuing and striving and, and getting into to spots, I was able to simply go with, with the flow. I was able to see beauty. And I, was, I was opened up. My eyes and my perspective had changed simply because of that decision not to rush. It's a bit like that. Our new life in Christ, when our, with our old life, we're just focused on on its imperfections. We're focused on striving. We're, stri- we're focused on trying to make something. We're trying to, 
to get ahead. We're trying to trying to um, make something of my life. I'm trying to fit. I'm trying to you know make myself bigger than I perhaps am by going forward. And and that life is hard. It's hard work. And our new life in Christ opens us up to a new perspective that says, I'm going to go with the Spirit and I'm going to follow Him and I'm going to allow Him to set the pace of my life. I'm going to allow Him to direct my life. And so in that stream, in that lane of walking with the Spirit, my eyes are opened up to all this beauty and all that God is doing and we, we see what's happening in a life and we see it change and we can, we can celebrate and we can focus on what God sees and not what we see. Uh, Paul says, since you have been raised to new life, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, godly things, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. And so we have a new perspective. Paul says, focus on the things above, the realities of heaven, the, the goodness of what God is doing in our world. And see, see um, people not as a problem, but see them with God's eyes. God loves every single one of us, that he would lay down his life for all of us. And so the old life sees sin. The new life sees freedom. The old life says that death is the end. The new life says that heaven is my eternal home. The old life sees an internal perspective. The new life focuses on the external. The old life seems hopeless. The new life sees hope for every human being. The old life sees what is lowly, dirty, old and worn out. And the new life sees the possibility of newness, beauty, love, joy, peace, the things of God. That's right. Joe and I were fortunate enough to be able to travel to uh, Europe when Skylar was nine months old. And um, this is a picture of us in Rome at St. Peter's. Skylar's just out of that shot. <laughs> She's in the, in the pram there. Um, and I just absolutely loved looking around at the oldness of of Rome because in Australia, you know, nothing's really all that old. And so I loved the architecture. I loved the way the streets were laid out. Um, I just loved being able to walk around and, and see these, these beautiful um, historic buildings. And so we were in uh, St. Peter's in Rome and, and looking around the square. And um, we noticed that there were some people um, up on a tower. So we kind of asked around and got to walk up this really tight staircase and um, the whole time we're going up there's these tiny windows that you can kind of half see out and you're like where am I, what's going on and then you get up to the very um, top of, of St Peter's and this is the view and all of a sudden you're given this brand new perspective 
on where you were before. Before I was down in that, that square and you can see the, the columns and stuff. But going up, um, being, being up on the tower, all of a sudden you can see the, the layout of the land. You can see where the buildings, you can see the roofs, you can, you can see the, how big <laughs> the place is. And so it is with our, our new perspective as, as we think of the things above, we're able to see as God sees. And this new perspective gives us a whole new understanding of what life is about and what God is doing. So we have a new perspective and we have a new purpose. Um, I, I see a lot of um, people in our community struggling to find meaning and purpose in their lives. And I feel like sometimes it's a bit like, you know, these kids' toys? And um, there's a sh- you feel like you're a shape. And um, you can see other people fitting in and, and you're trying to go, is this for me? No, it's not. I'm not, I'm not fitting. Something's not quite right. You know, or maybe it's this, or my friend's doing this, maybe I should test this out. And, and you as a person are struggling to find where is your fit? Where is your reason for living? Where is your purpose? What am I here for? And, and all of life might be trying to find, whether it's career, through relationship, through finance, you're trying to find your fit, your reason for existing uh, in this world. And when we are alive in Christ, when Christ actually makes us a new person, all of a sudden we go, you know what? I know where I fit. I know where I belong. I know why I am here. Our new life in Christ gives us purpose, it gives us meaning, it gives us answers to why on earth are we here? What on earth is this life all about? Back to Corinthians. Since we believe that Christ died for all, also we believe that all have died to our old life. There it is again. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. There's a clue there. They will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who, was die- who died and was raised for them. We are Christ's ambassadors. The old life was a life of sin. And typical youth illustration here, what's at the centre of sin? It is the letter I. And An old life without Christ is motivated by and empowered by I, self, me. Life is all about what I need to get. Life is all about what I can do to pleasure myself. Life is all about me making a name for myself. That is what sin does. But the old life... um, So we receive new life so that we may no longer live for ourselves. We may no longer live in that sin-filled life, but instead we live for Christ. So our new life gives us a new purpose. 
It is not about I, it is about the other. It is not about me, it is about what God is doing and is what um, the Spirit is doing through us. Ephesians says um, that we are God's handiwork or workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. There is a purpose, there is a reason for your existence. He purposed before the creation of the world for you to come to know him and receive this new life and find meaning and purpose and no longer be striving to try and find your fit. But your fit is that you are in Christ, that you are drawn into his family, that you are drawn into his kingdom and that he has a place for you and that he has work for you to do in that new reality. Um, I, I used to play hockey in my younger years and um, both me and my brother were quite good at, at hockey. In fact, I've got a picture of myself. <laughs> yes, I was wearing shorts. Um, it looks like I'm not. Um, <clears throat> this is me in primary school. Um, and uh, my dad played hockey and my dad before him played hockey and so it was in the family. And uh, my brother and I were actually quite, quite good at the sport. Uh, so much so that when I was um, 15, I was asked to be part of the state squad for the under-16s. So we'd play Victoria and, and Queensland uh, in, our, in our league. And so my dad took us to all the practices all the training, um, and there were even camps that we went on for, for the state squad. And, um, and it, was, it was great, great training, um, great camps, uh, you know, learning new skills and being part of a team that was bigger than just my local club. And the problem was, I wasn't from a private school club, and the coach was in the private school sort of scene and so the coach picked all the players from private schools to play all the games and so even though I was a good hockey player um, the coach very in fact I never actually got a run on the field for a whole year that I was in the state talent team um, all because we were from Valley Sturt and not from like Sacred Heart or from, you know, or whatever, okay? And so I found myself on the bench game after game after game and saw all my friends, well, they weren't really friends because they paid you out for not being part of the cool club, um, running around and, and playing the games and being free to play the sport that I loved so much. And game after game, I'm sitting there going, what is the purpose of being here? What is, where's my fit? Where is my position in the team? I'm just warming a bench and I'm just here to, to fill numbers in a team. My dad got so frustrated that he actually pulled us out of, of doing that. And so we joined back into our local clubs the game after that, I scored five goals <laughs> in our 5 nil win over another team. <laughs> Why? 
Because I was free to run. I was free to play. The coach said, here's your position. Here's what I'm asking you to do. You get the ball and you do what you're good at. And the difference was simply the coach gave me a purpose. The coach gave me a reason for playing. I wasn't just sitting there, what, what's, what's this about? I've actually got, I've got my position. And so it is with our new life in Christ. The old life just sits there and goes, where's my position? What team am I on? What's my purpose? I can see other people. They seem to have it all together or, or whatever, and I, I'm struggling. I, ca- I can't even pick up my, my hockey stick. But our new life in Christ says, hey, I'm going to name who you are. So Leah, <laughs> Amy, James, <laughs> Michael, Caitlin, Caitlin, Tamika. <laughs> I am going to give you a purpose. You are on my team. You've got a position and you've got a reason to fly. You've got a reason to run. Yeah, and Josh. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, and Josh isn't. <laughs> yeah, I've got something for you. And when you find that fit, it's freedom. That game that I had, I could run up and down, up and down, get the ball, go around the man, I could ooh, in the top corner. It's, what, it's like it's what I was made to do. And when we find that purpose in Christ, we find, oh, that's what I'm made to do. So we have a new purpose. And finally, we have a new power. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work that is at work within me. When we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and makes his home in us. And that spirit gives us power to overcome the things of our life and actually give us a sense of, like, you know, I, I am able to rise above this and I'm able to push through this thing that, that is happening in my life. Um, Friday night I talked to the youth about the Holy Spirit and I said, it's a bit like a balloon. When you've got a balloon by itself, it's just you know, a bit floppy and it's got no use and no meaning. But when you blow up a balloon, all of a sudden it, it takes shape. And it's the spirit, it's the air inside of it, the balloon that actually makes all the difference, that gives it its, its purpose and its power. In the same way, um, it's not that we possess some sort of power or strength within us. It is the spirit that is in us that gives us that power and strength. Uh, it's not like... I've got the power. Like, and it's, you know, like, look at me, I'm strong and I'm going to take on the world and I'm going to, I'm going to do all this, these things. No, it's actually the Spirit of God that is in us that, that gives us that, that power. So it's a bit like a glove. The glove in itself is, is not able to achieve much, but it's the hand that actually fits inside the glove that now enables the glove to have the power to do 
what it's purposed to do. Um, And so Paul says in Ephesians, I pray that you will know how great his power is for those who have put their trust in him. How great his power is. It is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. This same power is is put Christ at God's right hand. Now, I remember the first time in my life journal when I read that verse. And it was slightly a different version. It said, um, the same power that raised... We have access to the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that is absolutely mind-blowing. A life dead in the grave for three days, the power, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead is available to you and me because it is that same spirit that is living inside of you and me. Um, I used to be in a band and part of being in a band was that we'd play shows really late at night and I was still living at home at the time and I was a respectful young little person and I didn't really want to wake my parents up when I came in late at night in the car. And so um, my parents had... Because we had three boys and all of us loved cars, we had too many cars for the house, my parents made a new uh, driveway in the front of our yard. And I had worked out in my Renault 12 um, that coming up the street, what sort of uh, speed I could go so that I could actually turn the engine off so that it wasn't making noise and I could cruise and I could coast up the street and into my driveway and it all be nice and silent. And my parents wouldn't wake up. So I, I mastered this. I was like really, really proud, actually. Right, so I could, I could just, you know, I could turn the engine off. And, and into the car park. Close it. Sneaking. Um, and so my parents didn't know what time I got home. Yeah, it was really good. Um, and so that was, that was in my, my Renault 12. Car after that. Uh, was a Mitsubishi Magna wagon and it had power steering. And of course the power steering works when the engine's on, right? And so I did exactly the same thing coming home from a gig. Turn the engine off and you coast. And I went to go turn and the car wouldn't turn because the power assisted steering wasn't on and I almost crashed into mum's lemon tree and and I made a huge big mess of it. And I remember going to put my foot on the brake and the brakes wouldn't work. Um, and it's a bit like that, but the opposite of that is that you know, we can do things in our life. We do have a natural strength. We can turn, we can stop, we can manoeuvre. Yet with the Spirit of God in us, with the, the power in us, it's, it's like power-assisted steering. It just makes it easier. And we're able to stop better. And we're able to turn better. But it requires us to actually put our trust in and have our, our hands on that, that steering wheel in order for the power to work. We've got to allow the Spirit to actually be at work in our lives and to uh, trust in Him and to listen to Him in order that we might do 
amazing, great and powerful things. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Hallelujah. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. So this new life has life because of the Spirit alive in us. So the old self was powerless to save. The new self is powerful because it's used to participate in the continuing of God's saving action. The old life was weak and helpless. The new life is strong. The new old life was defeated. The new life is victorious. I'm going to ask um, musicians up now. Um, and as we've um, actually came across this great quote from Charles Spurgeon, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without the wind, branches without sap, and like coals without fire, we are useless. It is the Spirit of, that gives us this new life. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is that same Spirit that is alive in us and gives us purpose. It changes our perspective. It gives us power to overcome circumstances and things in our lives. And where things used to be hard and difficult, the Spirit actually enables us and empowers us to actually work through it in ways that we couldn't do before. And so I'm feeling like there are, there are two types of people uh, who are in this space today. The first type of person perhaps might be that person that has never actually said yes to Jesus and who, like that puzzle piece, is struggling in their life to find meaning and purpose, is struggling to find their place. Their perspective is, is only on themselves and, and, and is small and can't seem to break out of the darkness that they might be in. And that, and that they desire and they need something to actually work on their behalf and actually allow that life to die and pass away and to, to have a new life and find new meaning and a new purpose. And so if that's you t- today, if you are that person who is just like on the posty bike struggling to manoeuvre your way and, and, and find your place, I want to tell you that the new life in Christ is beautiful. And it is simply better than that that has gone before. It is simply better. There is no better thing than a life united in Christ. And so we're going to be taking communion in a a moment. And that's going to remind us of what Christ has done to make it possible to have this new life. And secondly, the type of person that you have said yes to Jesus and yet perhaps you're struggling with um, the fact that you, know, you don't have all of the features or that um, you know, your life's a bit clunky perhaps and, and, and you're not happy with your appearance or, or um, you, know, you don't feel like you have the capacity in your life anymore to, to do all that, that God's 
God's got for you and you, and you look at, at your life and you know that you've been given your life but your life doesn't seem to display the joy and the purposeness that, that God has for you. If that's you, I just really encourage you that as we have communion, that the Lord just minister to your heart, that you know that the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you and that you can call on him And that he can give you a new perspective, he can give you new purpose, he can give you new meaning, and that he can allow you to move on from this space in a way kind of changed and awakened to the reality of what God has done in your life. Awakened to the reality that you have been given new life, now it is time for you to walk in it, to walk with the Spirit in this new life that he has for you. And so um, if that's you, if you're that first person or if you're that second person, um, we're going to just have a time of communion now. So I'm going to ask the the stewards to start um, distributing that communion. And uh, as we do that, I just want to, you guys can play if you like. So, I just want to read to you from Titus. When God our Saviour revealed His kindness and love, He saved us not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of His mercy, because of His grace. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Because of His grace, He declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. And as we take communion this morning, we remember that Jesus, on the night that He was betrayed, He was with His followers. And he took a piece of bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup and again giving thanks. And in the same way, he said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many. Take and drink. And do this in remembrance of me. And so we do this when we meet together because the Lord commanded us to. But also is that we might remember the great one all-time perfect and sufficient sacrifice that Jesus did when he laid upon the cross. And so this meal is open to anyone who might just be wanting to say, yes to Jesus or draw closer to him anyone is welcome to participate in this meal and we do this so that we might know so that we might be again awoken to the reality of what Jesus has done for us in our lives that his sacrifice on the cross that his body broken 
and his bloodshed was an event that caused our sinful lives to be crucified with him and our sinful lives to be dead and buried. And we remember that great day and we remember that that is not the end. That as Jesus was raised to life, so that we are raised to life and we have a newness of life. And we can come and we can gather and we can share in this meal all because of the work of Jesus. Not because of anything that anyone has done. Not because I am good enough. Not because I've made a way. Not because I've got a new life for myself. Not because I've made a name for myself. But all, of, all because of what Jesus has done. Jesus has done everything. And all we need to do is to say, Thank you, Jesus. I claim and I take hold of everything that you have done. And in doing that, I receive the gift. I receive new life. I receive the Spirit all because of you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So let us now take and eat and remember what Jesus has done for us. Let's eat and drink together.